Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Good morning and welcome to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker, your host. We've got a packed up program for you today. Have you just recently changed jobs or or maybe they've just walked in and HR has said, hey, we got new insurance and all that forms work has got to be done today. You need to make all kinds of important insurance and benefit choices, and it's always right now. So how in the world do you know which choices to make? Do you go with a high-deductible plan to spend less money, or do you really need that accident plan? Shannon Dyson's here to help us with these questions. You'll want to take notes. Also, here's a thought for you. Easy or complicated? Home and auto insurance. That's the question that everybody looks at. You want to know, do you have good coverage, proper coverage? Well, Dane Williams is here. He's going to help us understand the differences found in the property and casualty insurance industry. And there's a lot of them. You need to make good decisions, but you need to know what you need to know. Homeowner can be expected to know what is it that you know. Well, I've decided it's not what you know. It's what you think you know. I don't know what I know, but guess what? Stay with us. We're going to find out a lot of things that we need to know. Good information for all of us. That's coming with Dane Williams and Shannon Dyson. Also, in the last half of the program, we're going to talk to Scott Jordan, and he's going to help us make sure we're not making bad mistakes going forward in our 401k portfolio. What do we need to avoid? That's important. You want to stay with us. From our Did You Know files, the Fed is in the news this week. And, you know, the Fed, I need to kind of help everybody understand. We talk about this a lot. The Fed is made up of a network of 12 Federal Reserve Banks and 24 branches under the general oversight of the Board of Governors. Now, that's kind of common. Everybody knows that. And maybe you remember this from your civics class and and high school. And boy, you got an A in that course. Or maybe you took something in college and economics. So the Fed, here's a thought, considers itself an independent central bank. Because its monetary policy decisions do not have to be, you listening, approved by the president or anyone else in the executive or legislative branches of government. I'm not so sure they agree with that, but that's the real facts. That's how that act was passed in 1913. As you know, the decisions of the Fed affect the U.S. economy and therefore... It affects the world. And I think it's important to understand this position because it makes it the most powerful entity in the global economy. It's not a company. It's not a government agency. And its leader, Mr. Powell, is not an elected official. But to a lot of people, that makes it kind of suspicious because it's not subject to either voters or shareholders. They decide if interest rates go up or down and all that has our attention this week. Well, one thing that the Fed is trying to prevent, as we all know, is a recession. And in the last 25 years, from July of 1994 to June 2019, the U.S. has only suffered two recessions. In the 25 years before that, 
the National Bureau of Economic Research says, well, guess what? For the 25 years before the last 25 years, that's from July of 69 to June of 1994, the U.S. had five recessions. So, you know, if you look at it, I think the Fed's doing a pretty good job. It's seven recessions in 50 years. So I give them a... An A minus, not bad. If you have questions to talk money for talk money, send them to Jim Shoemaker. Of course, talk money at shoemakerfinancial.com. To find today's programs on podcast or past programs, go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Coming up, Shannon Dyson, decisions you must make when you're looking at your benefit programs. And Dane Williams, what questions do you ask about your homeowner's insurance? What do you need to know if you don't know? And Scott Jordan's going to help us make sure we make some good mid-year adjustments to our 401k portfolio. What do we need to avoid? You don't want to miss that. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM's 107.9. This is Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, I just want to make sure that everybody knows the bottom line is interest rates go up or down. We'll see what the Fed does. Hey, it's kind of an exciting time with what's going on in the economy. But before we need to go to that, I really am glad to have Dane Williams in the studio because here's a question that so many people have. Do I have the proper amount of homeowners insurance? Do I have a proper amount or am I am I covered the way I should be with my automobile insurance? And, you know, it's a, it's confusing. It is a um, I, it's a maze. And, and so when you go through that maze, you think you're headed in a particular target. But the reality is you end up having that claim that you thought was covered. I was a, I'm one of those people. I thought it was covered. And when you pick up the phone and say, hey, John, let me ask you a question. Uh, is my whatever, is it covered? And well, you can hear that silence and all of this said, well... That's not part of your insurance. I, I thought it was. No, it was. Now, I'm sure that I was told that at the beginning. I'm never questioning what was going on. But Dane has found out that so many people go through the process and find out, and they're asking the question, is it covered? So, Dane Williams, welcome to the program, sir. Thank you for having me, sir. Well, Dane, you're a part of the Schumacher Insurance Solutions Group, the property and casualty group, and you do a great job. You actually came out of our division from the financial planning, so you bring that overlapping mentality, and that I so much appreciate what you do because it's not just about clicking the boxes on a policy. You're really diving in with the client and working through that process of helping them understand what you're trying to accomplish. No, exactly. It's unique because we get to take that background that I have and, and others have as it relates to financial planning and see how that plays into your, your home and auto insurance, your liability insurance, and how it can have a drastic impact on your financial plan if not done well. And then, you know, when we talk about the question and, and literally, is it covered? I, that's a that's a big question from a thirty thousand foot. It's a big net, but it, I know that in your conversations with people that you're having and talking with them, people are asking you about those things. That are is it covered? Is this in my home insurance or is this part of my automobile? And 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 they they want to know because in their back of their mind they're hoping you're going to say yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I'm the sure. way. I mean, I do so. 
How do you go through that process with them? How do you help them understand things that are covered and making sure they understand things are not covered? Yeah, well, you're right. It comes up almost every single time we deliver a policy. People have some sort of question that they're leaning on. Is this random thing that could happen to my home covered? So what we want to do is we want to make sure that they understand some general parameters around their homeowner's policy. Let's look at the 30,000-foot view. What is necessary to occur for a loss to be covered? And then from the minutia beyond that, we ask them to lean on us. Let us help you decide, um, is this actually a claim? Is it not? Is this going to be covered? Is it not? And kind of what that uh, that situation could play when out. When you talk about the 30,000 foot level. I mean, I think that's where most of us live. Sure. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm I know when I need to do the analytical analysis of something, I can dig into it, but that's not my life every day. And most of us depend on the professional like yourself. Sure. So, set some guardrails, some of these parameters that people just need to kind of Make sure they understand this, at least at the high level, what they need to understand. Sure. So a standard home policy is is on a form that's called an HO3. And that, that really doesn't matter except for an insurance agent. But it's it's going to cover direct physical loss is the term that an insurance company uses. Direct physical loss to either the main dwelling, other structures on your property. Think a shed, a fence, everything that's not on the main slab of the home. Other structures and then your contents of the home. Those are the main things that are covered, and they have to be impacted by a direct physical loss. All right, that's a big statement. Now, I, I had someone that was telling me recently where they had a, a one of the big windstorm storms we had come through Memphis, blew a tree down, tree landed on their bedroom, uh, what the guest bedroom, and destroyed basically the house, that side of the house. It was a big tree, fell, um, roof damage, bedroom damage, lots of damage. And the insurance company covered it. wasn't us. It wasn't you. you this wasn't a claim that you were working on. But as they were going through this, uh, they were extremely pleased. Everybody was very gracious. And then it got time they had to remove the tree, and they discovered that removing a tree was not covered. Mm. And it was a seven thousand big tree, big tree, seven thousand dollar bill. And they were not expecting that. That was a Way out in left field. So when you talk about those those things and, you know, direct physical loss, I wouldn't have known whether the tree was covered. And I probably would have said, well, I thought that that would have been, you know, the removal of this, the damage was covered. So when you talk about direct physical loss, help me understand that. Yeah. So the, the cause of the loss is the biggest thing that the insurance company is looking at. Um, all insurance policies are not created equal, unfortunately. So some have that tree provision. Others may not. But generally speaking, a standard home insurance policy is going to have the causes of losses that are covered it is going to be one of 16 named perils, right? So there's 16 things that if the loss is caused by one of these things, fire and lightning, hail or windstorm, any number of these 16 things, then uh, that's when they're going to step in and pay for the claim. If the loss is not caused by one of those 16 things, then that's where cl- coverage is going to be excluded. So they need to know those sweet 16, you know. I mean, yeah. I can remember it that way, you know, those okay. 16 things, are sweet 16. So that's important. Most of us understand flood is not covered. Earthquake is not covered. Sure. What are some of the other things that you think about that, you know, when you say you've not covered, those are things. But are there any perils or causes of loss that are, you know, not a part of the coverage that many people may think it's a part of? Like I had something stolen one time. In a in a an outshed building, uh, in a in a farm at the farm, and I would have thought that my four wheeler was covered. I, mm-hmm. I just you know, but I had to have done something extra 
to to again my mistake no question but i would have liked for my agent this has been years and years ago to have said hey i just wanted you know any content inside that particular area especially well not any content but four wheelers are not covered i wish i'd have known that yeah. Uh, so each policy has certain caps on certain types of contents, whether it's jewelry, tools or um, vehicles that may be on there. So understanding the caps on the certain types of contents of your policy is a big deal. But when we're starting to look at some of the things that may not be covered, you mentioned earthquake, you mentioned flood. Those are things that uh, are not typically covered as causes of loss under a standard home insurance policy. Uh, one of the other things you want to focus on is did the loss occur suddenly and accidentally? If it happened over time, then you're not likely going to see coverage there. So whenever you see things like mold or fungi, rot, things like that, that doesn't happen over time. You did not have mold yesterday, and now you have a lot of mold today. So oftentimes an insurance company is not likely to cover that on a standard home insurance policy because it happened over time and not suddenly and accidentally. All right. Now, I, both the mold and fungi, I know that would be... That's kind of a misconception for a lot of people. It is. It is. I have people ask about that all the time. Which is kind of shocking because, again, you're, the definition you're saying, it happens over a period of time. Sudden is critical in this, this sweet 16 thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, making sure that we understand the, the idea behind that. I, these are, I know you get into some pretty technical details, but are, are, from a coverage standpoint, what can a homeowner reasonably be expected to know as it relates to their policy? And what types of things should they rely on you? If, if I'm talking to you, which I so much appreciate how you do this with your with the clients of the office and how you really do go through that process. And if you would like to talk to Dane Williams, telephone number 757-5757. Just ask Dane to review, do an assessment of what you've got. It's amazing what I know as I listen to him and, and go through the process that he does. Uh, Dane, you do a wonderful job of helping clients see the bigger picture, but my concern is so many times they they don't really know what they should know themselves mm-hmm. and understand and lean on you to know. Help us understand that. Yeah, I think if, if I was instructing uh, an insured, the, the biggest thing I'd want them to know is obviously what's coming out of their bank account. So what their premiums are, what their deductibles are, so they understand as it relates to a financial plan what they need to have on tap. But then beyond that, really wrapping your head around what we started our conversation with. There must be direct physical loss to either the dwelling, the other structures, or your contents. Is there something that is negatively impacted because of this loss that you're describing? And uh, is it a part of one of those three things? If it's just something that happened in your yard, that's not a part of the dwelling. That's not another structure. That's not your content. So the fact that your, your grass is messed up or your tree lost a limb, there's no direct physical loss there to one of those. So understanding that component can help you down the path. And then from there as determining which of the 16 named perils your loss is going to fall on, please lean on us for that. Uh, that's what we're here for. I, I understand that a person, if you have a guest in your home, mm. uh, explain that because that, that was kind of a shocker to me. I, I, I would have not known that. I would have, and I would, I mean, you would think I would be sensitive to something like that. Explain what I'm talking about. Yeah. So as you're thinking of the contents that may be covered, uh, if you had either a roommate or if you were operating an Airbnb out of your house or something along those lines, and God forbid the house burns down, 
any space that is frequently rented uh, out, so that Airbnb, uh, that's going to not likely provide coverage to the even your property that's in that space. And then if you've got roommates or boarders of some sort, their property is not going to be covered under your home insurance policy. They're going to need to have their own renter's policy to cover their stuff. That's not going to fall under yours. All right, Dane, I'm going to step into the weeds for a second. It's the hard question. It's the, I'm going to put you on the spot. Sure. I like doing this. <laughs> Good. Here's my, most people look and say, well, I've got homeowners, so mm-hmm. it's going to be covered. Mm-hmm. And when you have to help them understand it's not it's a tough decision. Sure. It's a tough, it's a tough conversation. What would you, how do you counsel people to get, to understand that? What kind of a process do you go through to know, help them understand what coverage they really have? And you do an assessment. I mean, it's free. I know you do that for yep. a lot of people. And it's just, just, just to help them understand it's a part of their overall plan that mm-hmm. they need to have the proper coverage, liability, whatever. I just think, People who think they're covered and then find out they're not or may be suspect that they're not covered, do you ever feel that maybe they begin to try to twist the rules? And sure. So let's talk about the assessment first. What do you actually do to help them understand what they've got? So the first conversation we have with anyone that wants to go through an insurance evaluation with us is that we want to gather copies of your current policy documents. See what you have. Um, like I said, all policies are not created equal. So we're going to spend probably a couple of days uh, diving into those policies and see what coverages you have, and then also asking you some in-depth questions about your home and your lifestyle so that I can figure out, do you have the coverage you need? Are you paying for coverage that you don't need altogether? And really try to wrap our hands around what exists currently in your policy and in your life. And then from there, we're going to take that policy and your information, and we're going to go out and shop you to the market. We're independent insurance brokers, so we represent several different carriers, and we're able to go out there and see are there policies that better suit your needs? Are they at a better price than what you're currently paying? We go through that, and some of our clients have made changes, and it's made a ton of sense for them. Others, we've made the recommendation to stay put. You're well covered. You're paying a fair price. Either way, you're going to leave with the peace of mind of knowing, here's what I need to know. Here's what I need to have, and I'm well covered now. Dane, from from your chair, when you talk to people, do you recommend people when they? I know you. I know what you're going to say, and I guess I'm concerned that people buy the policy. Mm-hmm. I'm guilty of this. Mm-hmm. I man, I am. You know, I stand accused, and I would be executed if they were saying, you know, because I have no way to fight around this. You buy the policy. You look at it. It's got my name on it. That's good. And I'm trusting that I've got the proper coverage. And I fold it up and put it on the shelf and forget it or put it in my lockbox and forget it. I don't go back to it. That's really not smart, is it? Well, it's okay if there's absolutely nothing that changes in your life whatsoever. Um, if you, you, if, <laughs> so if you haven't if acquired have a, a new boring vehicle, life, exactly. You know, I do nothing. I get it. Okay. Well, also, not your boring life only, but also inflation can't occur either. You can't okay. have the cost of goods, or the cost of labor go up either, because then your home may not be insured for enough. So your life can't change, and then the economy can't change as well. Most of the time, you are going to need to update your policies frequently. And so frequently is to you as the insurance person, what, what the professional knowing what to do, what's frequently to you? We want to have a conversation with our clients every single year just to see what's going on. They may tell us, no, nothing's changed. We've got the same cars, same people living in our home, no real adjustments needed to our policy. So there's no changes there. Um, but at least every three to five years, we're, we're going to want to shop them out even if nothing's changed because the insurance company may have changed something and see, is this still the best price that's available to them in the market? 
Dan, you do a great job. I so much appreciate what you do because what I think that I that I hear and I understand is people need to look at that thirty thousand foot level, good, but they need to know what's not covered, and that leans leaning on their insurance agent to ask. Sure, ask what's not covered. If I don't know. I need to be willing to do, and you get that question a lot. I do. It's unique because I find so many people come to us without having a significant relationship or any relationship at all with their agent. So whenever they have these questions, they really don't have anywhere to turn. They end up asking a coworker who's in no way an insurance professional, getting on the internet and hoping that they found an accurate uh, resource. What we do is we're going to invest in our clients and really try to understand what's going on and establish that relationship so they feel comfortable calling me to ask these questions so that whenever we reach out in a year or two years to say, what's going on in your life, it doesn't feel invasive. It's more us investing in that relationship to make sure that you are well protected. Dane, thank you, sir. Thank you for being here today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, sir. You know, the thing I want everybody to know when you think about your property and casualty, your homeowners, your automobile. The reality is Dane's a person who does a phenomenal job, not just quoting a price. That's that's pretty easy. You can do that internet-wise, but do you know what you have? And I appreciate the fact that Dane takes it from the planner's perspective, coming out of that side of our office, and doesn't just quote prices and move on. He really dives in with you consults with you, spends the time with you to help you understand that. And Dane does a great job. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Shannon Dyson. We're going to find out it's difficult to all of a sudden have your HR say, fill this paperwork out. we got to have it done today. Oh, my goodness. It can be overwhelming. So we're going to get some advice on how to go through that process of knowing what to choose when it comes to new job, at work, all the things that go on. You don't want to miss this. You need to get your pad and pen and take some notes because it's going to really help you know if you're changing jobs or it's the time of the year when the insurance plan is going to change, you need to know what to ask. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. My guest has been Dane Williams. If you want to talk to Dane, give him a call at 757-5757, a free assessment of your property and casualty insurance. And believe me, it's very important to do that. He should be able to give you some great insight and save some money if that's a possibility. He is independent, so therefore he's not tied to one person. He can walk around and find you the coverage that meets your needs. My guest now is Shannon Dyson. Now, here's the problem everybody has. I've been there. I know what it's like to all of a sudden you're changing jobs. Maybe you're going to someplace or the insurance company that you've been using at work is now going to a new company and you've got to complete all their paperwork and you've got to make decisions because it looks a little different. It's a little confusing. In fact, not a little confusing. It's a lot confusing. And you just have to go through that. So, Let's start with this, Mr. Dyson. Welcome to the program, sir. Thank you for having me back. Why don't we uh, look at this big deal, the group benefits, and which is the health insurance benefits, and how do you go about with that? I mean, it's the pressure. It's the you want to do the right thing. I mentioned in the monologue, do I choose the high deductible? And that's the, always because I want to save some money. So what do you what's your advice? Well, you you start a new job and, and you're a little bit nervous about going in on the first day and, and you're given this 
paperwork that we have to, you have to fill out, your W-2s and all these different things. And a part of that paperwork is your health insurance. And we have three different plans and you get to choose, you know, what plan you would like to do. Uh, and you're given a time frame and, and, and you've got to have it done today or tomorrow by the end of the week sometimes. Um, and you're looking at that paperwork and you just have no idea as to what plan fits your family the best. Uh, and many times there aren't many resources available to you. And so I think it's good to kind of go through and look at your health insurance plan. And then we can give you some tips on should you choose that low deductible plan? Should you choose a higher deductible plan? What makes the most sense for your family in that in that uh, in that aspect? So what would be the things? Give us the 10 of those tips. I think it's important. So I think when you're looking at it, typically what you'll see is an employer is going to give you an option that may have a low deductible option. When I say low deductible, uh, 500 or 1,000. And if I want to quickly define a $1,000 deductible, that means the money that's coming out of your pocket before insurance pays. So when you're choosing a deductible, understand this is the money that I have to pay before insurance pays anything. Um, if you may have a high deductible option, a three, four, five thousand dollar deductible option, um, there's going to be a huge price difference between the two. So with your family, you're looking and saying, if I want to pay more out of pocket uh, for my out of my paycheck, I'm going to take that lower deductible option. If I want to pay less out of my pocket, then I'm going to take the higher deductible option. I like to say, pay me now or pay me later. Uh, because you know that if you're going to pay now, you're going to pay more out of your paycheck. But when it comes time for a hospital visit, you're going to pay less out of your pocket at that point. I know some you talk a lot about this, and I want you to kind of go over this. You talk about some steps or some things that go about choosing. You, you talk about the questions, but taking an inventory of your past history, medical history, your health history. That's critical for a lot of people to understand. Well, that's going to be part of the process when you're choosing a deductible. Uh, have I been have I been fairly healthy over the last couple of years? Have I been to the doctor? How many times have I been to the doctor? Have I been to the uh, emergency room or have I been to the hospital? If you've been fairly healthy, you're going to want to take that higher deductible and pay less out of your pocket. Um, if you know that you've got a surgery coming up next year or you know that you're having a baby next year and you know that you're going to be spending the money on your deductible, well, let's take the lower deductible and pay and pay a little bit more out of my pocket. But when I go into the hospital, I'm going to be able to pay less money to the hospital. What about the comfort level? I mean, you're talking about a lot of this ends up a spreadsheet to some people and, and, you know, they're working through math here. Right. But reality, it's comfort. So help us with that. What do you mean by comfort? You know, you can look at the math and you can put it on a spreadsheet. But if your comfort level when you say, you know, I am I understand that I'll pay less out of my pocket if I have a five thousand dollar deductible plan. But I am just not comfortable if something happens to me and I go into the hospital of knowing that I have to come out of my pocket five thousand dollars. If that's the case for you, take the lower deductible and just pay more out of pocket gradually over time because you'll have that peace of mind of knowing that if something happens and I do end up in the hospital or I have to have a CT scan or an MRI, I'm gonna pay less out of my pocket at that point. Okay, Shannon, here's the problem. I decided that I would take the high deductible. I'm 25. I'm I'm dreaming. I'm 30. I'm still dreaming. But whatever. I'm 30 years old. I'm going to take this high deductible. And, you know, man, I end up having a terrible year. I'm in the emergency room twice. My three-year-old, you know, so I, I made a mistake. Now it's time to renew. In other words, they're going to let me, can I change it? If we're it, going to be able, now if I change, I still got to pay the old premium. I mean, the old expenses. deductibles, yeah, yeah. But the, but can I change my plan when it's time to renew or something? Every year you're going to have an open enrollment period, and at that point, again, take inventory of what happened last year uh, and understand yourself a little bit. I think when we go through this, it's 
you know, I want to save that money. I'll just take that higher deductible and I'll save that extra premium. And then when it comes time to use it, I'll have it saved and I'll have it ready to go. Great theory. Right. And that that goes back to the comfort level again. Are you a saver? Uh, Do do you do that well? And so when it comes time for open enrollment for the next year um, and you did not save all that money from your premiums, it instead went to everyday expenses and life events and going out to dinner and maybe buying a television or or whatever that is. None of those would I have done. (laughs) If you didn't do that, then you may want to consider taking the lower deductible the next year. It's all about uh, what your comfort level is, and everybody is different when they're making that decision. All right. We've kind of covered health insurance. I mean, we I would like to talk about HHAs, but people, that's a that's an, an animal that, well, let's just do this. Sure. Hit HSA from a standpoint, if it's available, they should do it. Correct? If it's available, uh, you have an HSA plan. Again, an HSA is? Health savings account plan, uh, especially if your employer is funding part of that health savings account for you. It's definitely something to consider uh, because it's tax-free money uh, that you can either save out of your check to put into that health savings account, or if your employer is contributing to that health savings account, that's also tax-free money. So if I've chosen a high deductible, Mm-hmm. And I choose to participate in the HSA. Right. Then that high deductible, which has lowered my premium, I can take the difference and contribute to the HSA. So I do have a bucket of money at some point, and it's tax. Say it again. Absolutely, it's tax free. And tax so free. the money that you're putting in is before tax. And so it, it, that's one of the decisions that we help people understand is if you do take the higher deductible and you're saving the money and there's a health savings account available, put the money into the health savings account. Uh, that way it's there. You can use that money for medical, dental, vision, and you never pay taxes on that money. That's that's important. Very important. So we've talked about take an inventory of your past history. Be prepared. Know that you know what to do for us. An emergency is concerned. Save the money. Use the HSA. You know, make decisions. Talk it over with other people, but be sure you're getting good counsel. When we come back, we're going to talk about dental vision, disability, all those extra things, should you or should you not? What's important? I think the big question is dental. Let's find out more about that from Shannon Dyson. He's my guest. We'll be back in just a moment right after this message from a really nice lady, Rebecca Brazier. She's going to talk about Memphis in the Mid-South. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to Talk Money. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. On April 27, 1865, the SS Sultana sank, causing the deaths of 1,547 people. With a death toll higher than the Titanic, this remains the largest maritime disaster in U.S. history. A combination of poorly done boiler repairs and excessive overcrowding caused the boilers to be overworked, resulting in a horrific explosion that was visible in Memphis over seven miles away. The explosion was so powerful that some of the survivors were found in the treetops along the shore. The remaining passengers had to brave the freezing waters of the Mississippi as the ship burned. It took over an hour for the first rescue ship to arrive, and many of them died of hypothermia. Most of those rescued later died of severe burns in Memphis hospitals. The story was not well featured in the press coming one day after President Lincoln's assassination. Although the Sultana was carrying Union soldiers, the people of Memphis showed their generosity by hosting benefits for the survivors and taking them into their homes. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. 
The S&P is an unmanaged index of 500 large cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. While you're trying to make a decision, you're trying to make a decision on which health care plan. You know, you've just started a new job and you, they've given it to you. you got a couple of days to make a decision or the company is going to change plans and you've got to go through that. And Shannon Dyson is my guest. He said that we need to be able to take an inventory of past history. If you're going to choose a high deductible, know what you've got. Do you have a small child or small children that are going to be in and out of the emergency room, in and out of the doctor's office? Be sensitive to all that. Just look at the overall plan. Don't just go for price and think you're doing that. If you get a high deductible and your company happens to offer an HSA plan, you want to participate. That's Shannon says that's a great tax-free type money, especially if the employer's making some extra contributions for you. It is a bucket of money that when you do have expenses that are medical expenses, you can use it. Now, before the break, we talked about disability. We talked about vision. But here's one I want you to dive in, dental insurance. A lot of people have offered uh, dental insurance in a lot of cases. Is it, is, it a, is it necessary? I mean, what's your take from your professional standpoint? What do you say, say to people? When we go out, that's one of the things that we see is that uh, dental policies have a much higher participation rate than even the medical policies. Uh, a lot of times other employers, spouses will have uh, jobs at other uh, employers and they'll take their health insurance coverage or the health insurance is just too expensive. Uh, but dental is always one that is very highly participated in. Um, and so when you're looking at a dental insurance plan, uh, you want to know what the maximums are on those dental plans. Typically, they're somewhere around $1,000 or $1,500. Uh, and what that means is that is the maximum amount that an insurance company is going to pay on your behalf for the entire calendar year. So once you reach 1000 or 1500 insurance is not paying anything else toward your dental costs for that particular year. So you need to be sensitive to what you're actually paying for. Look at your premium versus the benefit that you're getting. Uh, look at your uh, in-network dentist. A lot of people have a dentist that they've been seeing for the last 20 years, and they find out, oh, my dentist is not in the network. Uh, that can be a big deal. Some Most dental plans will have out-of-network benefits, uh, but they're not as good as in-network benefits. So that's another little curveball to throw in there to say, if I'm paying this amount of premium for my dental insurance and my dentist is not in the network, you know, maybe it's not that great of a deal for me to take that coverage. It's just something that you need to be sensitive to. All right. I want everybody to know that if you need to talk to Shannon, you can give him a call at 757-5757. And whether it's an assessment of your current, if you're an employer, it's an assessment of your current health plan, give him a call. Or if you happen to be one of those employees that says, I am so confused with what I got. I don't feel like I have good coverage. Shannon Dyson, he's the guy to talk to. He is the vice president of Shoemaker Insurance Solutions. He can walk you through that process and does a wonderful job of helping that. Thank you, Shannon, for doing a great job this morning. Thank you, Jim. Up next, we're going to talk with this guy that does a ton of this on a day-to-day basis. He helps people walk the process and keep them from making mistakes. He keeps them focused on the strategy, and I know he's going to help us go through some things to avoid when it comes to looking at our 401k. Welcome to the program, Scott. Great Scott, to be here, Jim. Scott Jordan. Scott, as a certified financial planner, what do you try to say to people when you're talking to them about just avoiding these common 
everyday mistakes that a lot of people make and wonder why they got caught up in these things. What do you tell them? Well, I think, you know, you know, backing up a little bit, I think the first important thing I always tell you is to have a strategy. You know, when you're investing in a 401k or investing anywhere for that matter, you're investing for a purpose. There's some reason or you need to have a purpose or some reason that that is uh, is causing you to invest. So having that strategy in place Knowing what you're trying to accomplish, clearly defining those goals goes a long way toward helping you avoid some of those common mistakes. So starting, if it's your 401k, what is, it's obviously retirement. If you're 25, you're making a bigger, you know, much different type of portfolio than a person at 55. Absolutely. So know that strategy. So what are some things? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, know the strategy. But I think, you know, one of the mistakes that we see a lot of people, you know, we manage a lot of 401k dollars and counsel a lot of people around their 401ks is that is this herd mentality following the herd. You know, we're in a we're in a time right now where the market's been doing extremely well. And, you know, as well as I do, there are two times when we have to go into hyper overdrive is when the market's doing really bad, and when the market's doing really well. So you start to get a lot of chatter around certain types of investments or or how well somebody else is doing in their portfolio and you start to get this herd mentality i think people start to get fear that i'm missing out i'm i'm missing out on this huge wealth gain and so they start to make uh, decisions around their long-term retirement goals that may not be in their best interest well and we tell everybody too that past performance is not an indication not, not an indicator of, <laughs> of the future, future performance and i think herd mentality is normal it I mean, is if, very normal if a person's buying a, a refrigerator and you heard about the oil oh, where'd you get your oil oh, so it's normal to do that and it's just natural but when it comes to investments if you have a strategy it's going to be different should be different than someone else's strategy. Right. Your goal is different than the, than this other guy's goal or this other girl's goal. So it's it's about, you know, laying down your strategy and sticking to it is going to help you accomplish that goal. So follow the rules to stay with your strategy. That's what you're saying for number one. Stay number, with the strategy give, and be Give me disciplined. another one now. If you say herd mentality, I really get that one. But I also think some people, that's part of the herd is their emotions. So what about I emotions? think that is that is a big one, Jim. You know, um, you know, we saw it after after 08, the kind of psych- psychology uh, kind of tilted toward more risk aversion. You know, you had people scared to even invest at that time. And now, like I said, with the market doing well, we're starting to get this this huge more appetite for risk. And uh, I think the emotions start to play when, <clears throat> you know, news stories are coming out. There's you're, you're listening to everything every day and you're making decisions based on emotions better, rather than a strategy or a discipline strategy. And emotions are very big for a lot of people. I say it all the time. Emotions are the enemy of any good investment strategy. So if I'm going to avoid my emotions, I know one thing. Volatility has a tendency to feed. Last December, October, November, December, when the market dropped almost to right. S&P, dropped to 19.8%. There was, you could sense that emotion begin to... So again, how do we avoid emotions? How do we avoid emotions making our decision? Well, it goes back to, you know, having that strategy and thinking long-term. You know, most of the most of the volatility in the market is very short-lived and short-term. You know, the, the, the overall long-term trend in the market has been up, but we're going to go up and through up and down cycles to get to that up. So... You know, you hear all the time the S&P since 1926 has returned somewhere around 10%, but it doesn't spend a lot of time around that 10%. It's usually up above it a lot or down below it a lot. So focusing on the long term, sticking with the strategy is how you overcome making emotional decisions. And I think the sticking with the strategy probably is uh, keeps the emo- If you really have a very definitive strategy, it can keep your emotions out. So, again, you said for you know following the herd – 
Know your rules. Don't let your rule. Don't, don't change your rules midstream. For emotions, I get that. Just stick to your strategy. Don't get caught up with let your let the volatility play itself out. Just keep yourself under control. I think it's also important to seek wise counsel. You know, it's it's important to have somebody to bounce ideas off of. So when you're when you're thinking of doing something in your strategy that could potentially hurt you long term, it's good to have somebody to bounce those ideas off of. Well, when we come back, I want you to kind of give us some insight into this whole thought of neglecting to rebalance a 401k. So many people start their 401k, they just, they just, it's done. Uh, you know, I, hey, I, I did it five years ago. I'm not paying, you know, not paying a lot of attention to it. It is their retirement plan. It is what they do. They may have done a great job five years ago, but they know, we know that you do have to rebalance. I really want you to talk about that when we come back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Of course, I want you to remind you, this is, of course, Talk Money, and we're very glad and very much appreciate that you're listening. If you want to talk to these guys, telephone number 757-5757. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. My guest today is Scott Jordan. We're talking about Bill, really the whole idea of your 401k plan. Have you looked at it? What are some things to avoid? He said, first and foremost, don't follow the herd. Don't get in the break room and find out everybody's going to move over to this particular area and you jump on bandwagon with them. If you have a strategy, which he said, stick to your strategy. Know the rules of your strategy. Establish that and stay with it. Then he said, which I think is important, keep your emotions at bay. And that's difficult, but the strategy can really manage your emotions and make sure that you know what your time horizon is. Is it a short term? Are you 60 years old? That's different than a person who's 30 years old. So know your time horizon, know your strategy, and do not listen to the news every day that when something's going on. We're just talking about if and when a recession or when the market is volatile as it was last December. Last but not least, he's going to talk to us, and I think this is important, neglecting to rebalance. What are you talking about, Scott? Well, you know, when we've we've established our goal, we have some sort of a measurable goal we're trying to accomplish, and then we've designed a portfolio. You know, we have a certain amount in stocks, bonds, cash. That's our asset allocation, and then we're going to diversify among those categories. We're going to have some some international, some domestic, some you know global bonds, some domestic bonds. But once we've assigned those percentages to those categories. We want to make sure that on a at least about an annual basis that we rebalance. And what we're doing there, Jim, is we're putting our portfolio back to the original allocation. So in a sense, you're going to be selling the things that have done well, selling those positions down a little bit, and buying some of the positions that haven't done as well. So by rebalancing, you're keeping that portfolio in line with your risk tolerance and the goals that you're trying to accomplish Instead of that getting out of proportion because some categories have done better than the others. All right. I like what you're saying. In other words, don't get caught up with the herd. That's right. that's critical. Number two, I really feel like the emotions, we talk about that a lot. And, you know, when it's the market's doing well, the emotions are kind of, okay, great, maybe I should be doing it. And you don't follow the herd, and that should keep your emotions in check. I do like the idea of allocation and rebalancing 
Is there anything else? I mean, you really did focus hard on the strategy. Explain that one more time. I, I think the strategy is key. I think investing with a purpose. You know, I, I see a danger when people just start trying to get their account as high as possible, and that's their goal. And that's where you start to make a lot of those emotional mistakes or those following the herd mistakes. But having that strategy in place, having that measurable goal, knowing what you're trying to accomplish – that allows you to, to design your investments in a way to have a high probability of hitting those goals. Well said. Well said. Well, we'll come back to you in just a second. Shannon Dyson, you're still at the microphone. You talked about the decisions you have to make when you're going to talk to your HR. That's a big deal. What summary do you have for our listeners? You know, just to think about your uh, past health history when you're making these decisions, then weigh the cost of those plans. Uh, make sure you're comfortable with a high deductible. And if you choose the high deductible, make sure that you save enough money to pay that should the time come or you have to go into the hospital and actually spend that money. Uh, and then on dental and vision, uh, look at the maximum out of pocket or the maximum pay amount that the insurance company is going to give you. Uh, and then make sure your doctor is in the network. Those are, those are the things that you really need to consider when making those decisions. And don't just take it lightly. Spend a few minutes. Get counsel if you need it. You're going to be stuck in these plans for 12 months. So make sure that you're making the right decision and you're asking for some help in making those decisions. Excellent. Thank you so much for today's program. Dane Williams, you're talking about property and casualty and, oh my goodness, 30,000 foot, but there are things that are not covered. Sure. We want to make sure that we're encouraging people to lean on their independent insurance agent that they are taking the time to invest in that relationship. Our business is built on recovering from disaster. And there's so many things out there as it relates to technology that can allow you to avoid that human relationship and do it all online. But the uh, the impact of having to, to face someone after your house is burned down and maybe you've got to download an app and talk to a chat bot and do all of these things, you need to have a relationship with your agent who can speak truth into you to make sure you have the coverage you need and make sure you're protected after something happens. Shannon, I, I, both of you guys, I appreciate the fact that, Dane, you do this with a personal intention of helping the client understand what they have. It's not just about price. It is about protecting the catastrophe that could happen, and that's important. Thank you, sir. I appreciate Thank that. Thank you. Scott, it's about diversification. It's about a lot of things, the strategy. What's your final thoughts? It's about strategy. It's about keeping those emotions in check, not following the herd, having a plan in place rebalancing the portfolio periodically, and most of all, knowing what you're trying to accomplish. Know the why you're doing what you're doing. And it's difficult to do that, isn't it? I mean, Absolutely. You Absolutely. have to pay attention. Yes. And I think, you know, where you don't understand, seek some counsel. Find somebody that can help you make some of these tough decisions. Well, guys, thank you so much for today's program. I appreciate what all you've done. You've been listening, of course, to Talk Money. Shannon Dyson, Dane Williams, and Scott Jordan. If you would like to talk with them personally, just call them at 757-5757. These guys are professionals. They know what they're talking about, and they're more than willing to help you understand what you should be doing. We hope you've enjoyed today's program. It's always the pleasant thank you for listening. We thank you for being a part of the program. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. To find today's program on podcast or past programs, go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial. And be sure to like us on Facebook. Thank you so much for being a part today. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Thanks for listening. This is Talk Money. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money.
Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Yeah,